0: Welcome to What's Leadership. I'm Liz Wiltsy. The more I learn about leadership, the more I'm convinced there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. So I am on my own learning journey and I invite you to join me. Ebony Janice reminds me that being open about my journey is important. Each episode features someone I admire with actionable insight to share. So please join me as I ask What's leadership? I'm excited that David Deanspread is joining me today. David began his career in the Australian military and has been an executive coach for many years. He's built his ABC model for rapid business improvement out of his unique experience of motivating teams and building trust in even the worst of conditions. So without further intro, I'm happy to welcome David Deanspread. Let's get right into it. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you, Liz. Uh, fantastic. And thank you so much for having me on your program. I really appreciate that. It's
0: yeah. Wonderful. So in your experience, what's the biggest challenge leaders face at work?
1: The biggest challenge always is dealing with their people when things aren't going right, either with the people or with the task. It, it's the, it is the biggest problem they have with their people when things aren't going right or the person's uh, got something wrong with them whether it be a a family matter or whether it's a disengagement in the workplace but dealing with those um, difficult situations that is the toughest part for a leader yeah when when things are going well this they get out of the way let things happen it's when uh, the crisis occurs or whether there's a calamity of some sort in the business or a, uh, a worker's out of sorts or has changed their attitude or they've got a negative attitude or a complaining attitude or think they can run the show themselves and don't want the leader. All, all those sorts of personal challenges, person to person are the difficult things.
0: Mm-hmm. So what's the number one tip in your experience for dealing with that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And and the number one tip really is for the leader to slow down, observe carefully what's going on, listen carefully what's happening, and then ask exploratory questions, So, such as, you know, what's going on for you right now? What is? What can I do to help? Why is this, um, why has things changed? What's changed for you? So ask questions to discover what lies behind everything in a way that's not confrontational or interrogative. So it's got to be, look, I'm here to help. What can I do to help? Help me understand where you're
0: at. What do you think stops leaders from doing that? Because what you're saying sounds sort of super intuitive and like, yes, you you should do that. But there's just so many people who don't. So what do you think gets in folks' way?
1: Most of the time, they're in problem-solving mode. So they see a problem, whether it be a behavioral problem or a situational problem or an operational problem, and they're automatically primed to go in and And fix it and so they don't back off and uh, slow down and and breathe and and listen and really do a you know a minute on the spot reconnaissance if you like so they try and fix and normally that the fixing means to tell and they're trying to help they're trying to i mean their intention's positive but they go around they start telling and they start saying well you know come on you can do that you do that go on and they try and fix it, or they say, this is what you have to do, bang, 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 and they want to get on with it. And so that makes it worse. So at the end of the day, what they need to do is to back off and and take command of themselves, become calm and centred. That's one thing. And the other side of that is sometimes they don't do it, they don't do anything which is worse, even, and because they don't want to make it worse. They don't want to worsen the situation. They don't want to aggravate it, exacerbate it, and they don't want to uh, look foolish because they may not know what's going on, and they don't want to reveal that they don't know what's going on. So it's a, the issue of vulnerability. So, and we have, we point to the Brené Brown material on that and Simon Sinek, those guys um, have articulated it really well, but at the end of the day, it's really being human, being vulnerable and saying, look, I, I don't really understand what's going on right now. Help me understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes. And it's just, it's always amazing to me whenever you and I talk, how intuitive what you're saying is and yet how much people get stuck and how yeah. many people get stuck. Cause would you say that it's that in your experience there's, probably more people that get stuck than don't
1: absolutely they don't know what to say they don't want to offend they don't want to get hurt they don't want to hurt they don't want to make make the situation um, worse and they're primed and trained to tell to solve the problem they're problem solvers you know they see themselves as problem solvers in the business they probably know the business more than anyone else, particularly the small to medium-sized business. They know the business. They've probably started the business or they've been around the business for so long they pretty much know most of the things that are going on. And so they get into problem-solving mode with the right, all the right intentions. Uh, and then they, they get pushback and then they, oh, shit, okay, well, stop, you know. They don't know how to deal with the first answer to it. And sometimes they ask questions, but... I need the first level. What's going on here? And the person might come back with a, that's all right, don't worry about it. And the uncertain leader will say, oh, okay, then just make sure everything's okay, let me know. Instead of saying, okay, now hang on a tick, I don't really understand, explain to me why everything's okay when that's happening, let me understand, I'm here to help, but I do need your, your input, so please explain to me where we're at. And, then, and they've got to persist carefully with um, more questions. But in a in a manner that that's going to get a response, and engagement. If they're if they're in a mood like this, and what's going on here? You know, just say that's going to shut people down. Mm-hmm. And if the leader's not calm and centered and inquisitive, they'll get they can't control the answers. Right. The answer, you know, they can't guide the answer. Am I making yeah, sense?
0: No, that totally makes sense. And you can't someone can't feel heard either if you know even outside of sort of guiding the answer to where you want it to get sometimes it feels like that exercise is about making sure someone actually like feels heard and understood which can't happen in that sort of scary face kind of way right no
1: it can't it can't happen and and the leaders too many leaders uh move to problem solving mode and providing answers it doesn't help they need to actually understand where the other person's coming from, what they're experiencing, how they're feeling, uh, do they want help? And it's okay for the leader to say, look, I really don't know that I can immediately help you right now, but can we get someone who can help you? What What sort of help do you want? What right. Do you need?
0: right. Yeah. You know? So in that vein, sort of what concept, or you mentioned a couple different kind of luminaries in the field, but what concept or book or talk that you have learned over your experience, what's been most impactful for you in the way you think about this stuff?
1: Okay. So, I mean, a lot of it I learned from the leaders that I had, that I was following in the military and I learned good things and I learned, <laughs> I learned the, the things to do and I learned the things that I would never do. So I had the experience of good and bad leaders, great leaders and, and not so great leaders. And then I also made my own mistakes as well. Lots of those when I was a young officer. All my men were older than me. Some of them are old enough to be my father. I mean, I was the second in command of the military prisoners, my first appointment on graduation, and I had my 21st birthday on duty in the, in the prison. And so I was, I was such a novice. Even though I'd been trained as a leader, I didn't have the practical experience.
0: Right, and 21 is young, goodness. It's very
1: young, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it was. I mean, it is like that now. I mean, you've got guys coming out of West Point who are the same age and they're very junior leaders and, you know, they're on the long the long road. to le- It's a learning road. But so, so I had a lot of personal experience. But one of the books that really gave me a lot of insight, uh, particularly in the commercial side of things, was the book Good to Great by Jim Collins and a few other people that contributed to that? Now he's not an expert leader himself, but he's a student of it, and he talks about level five leadership, which is now. And when we're talking about 20, 20 year old material, no, look, the whole bit about leadership hasn't changed for centuries, for thousands of years. The same things work. You know, we haven't we haven't evolved to that point where leadership is different and there'll be lots of people telling you that it is that it's not management has changed because of technology and complexity and what have you but dealing with people hasn't changed and isn't likely to and so good to great is a fantastic book for any anyone who wants to become a a better leader to read the the evidence because it's evidence-based and the level five leadership which is that leader who Who's uh, there for the people, not for themselves? Looks out of the window when things are going really well, and looks at the people he can praise. And then when things aren't going well, looks in the mirror and and asks what what can he do to help, and not apportion blame.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: and and another one that and this is <laughs> this is an interesting one because there was a poem by Rudyard Kipling called "If."
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I know papers. it well.
1: Yes, And my, my mother sent that to me, um, said, read this whilst you're on the plane going to your army training. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I read it and I loved it. I mean, it's, and it's so good. It's so true. And it's just about being a, a, a human who cares, a human who can work with anyone, who's willing to work with anyone, willing to learn and willing to help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, no, it's lovely. It's lovely.
1: Yeah, so so those are the th- those those uh, experiences and those the study. I mean, I think learning about leadership. I mean, I'm, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I'm still learning. And I think until I know the entire population of the planet, which I never will, but if I was to learn all of their idiosyncrasies and what makes each one of those people tick, I might be um, able to say, "Yeah, I know everything about leadership." But that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what should I have asked you that I didn't?
1: Gosh, you know, that's an interesting question. There's so much that I, I, <laughs> I could be asked. <laughs> and there are a lot of things that you could have asked and I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> but really, I suppose that the main thing, one of, one of the biggest questions that, that I think um, matters is how long does it take to become a, an effective leader?
0: Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, And I think that that's a, an issue that a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, I, I, the universities now globally are offering masterships, you know, master's degrees in leadership.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, and I, I worry about that because it's very theoretical and leadership is not something you get out of a book, even though there's some good stuff in the book, but leadership is a practical thing. And it's something you learn. And I, I mean, I, I was trained as a, as a leader to be a platoon commander and, 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 you know, theoretically I had all the knowledge but I didn't have the experience. And it was only when I was making mistakes that I le- really learned. I learned the most by making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so how long does it take to, to become an effective leader? A while. <laughs> you know, you, your degree in leadership won't equip you to deal with somebody who's just come to work today and, you know, somebody rang over, ran over their dog or well, he ran over his dog on the way out of the driveway. Or he's come to work today, um, and his wife told him he's leaving. She's leaving, or well, partner said they're going, and and he's now upset. I mean, the, the program at the university won't t- tell him how to deal with that, or how to deal with the the person who's sabotaging the team because of their negativity. You know, you actually look to learn how to do that, and okay. and it's it's one on one, and everyone's an individual, so. I don't think you can come out of a program saying, oh, I've done the study, now I'm a leader. Now I'm an effective leader. I think we have to recognize that we've got to work our way into it, and most of our best learning will come from the mistakes that we make. We mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. be willing to make those mistakes. So I hope that answered your your question, your trick question.
0: My trick question. No, that's a great answer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, David, that's the end of our interview. and I want to say thank you. And there's lot, there will be lots of resources. David has shared with us a guide. Do you want to tell us about the guide that you've shared with us?
1: I, I wrote a book a few years ago for my clients called The Wheel of Effective Leadership Behavior. And that's, I've sent that to you in a PDF form, which you can send out to your listeners. And it talks about the 12 traits that a leader has that, that people would endear them to follow that leader. And it's based on 12 historical figures and their uh, unique capabilities, their unique traits. And I've arranged them in a way and described those within the book. And also uh, the 12 traits that they all begin with the letter C, like courage and commitment, collaboration, those sorts of things, clarity, candor, those sorts of words. And there's 12 of them. But also the good thing about the book is that there's a way of testing yourself and measuring yourself at the back of the book. And how you can also get your team to rate you great and then how how do we deal with each one of those those characteristics those traits how do we prepare for them how do we deliver them how do we practice how do we rehearse how do we rehearse to be courageous for instance how do we rehearse to be candid how do we how can we rehearse to to deliver on commitment so it's a very useful book. My clients love it. I never write books to become um, bestsellers. I write them for my clients. Great. In a way of capturing my thoughts and my, my IP, I guess. Yes.
0: And I'm excited that we'll get to share it uh, with our listeners here. So.
1: Yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's my pleasure to do that. And thank you so much. For, you. for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. It's thank really you.
0: Cool. Full show notes from this episode and every episode are available at the number 4.0 needs.work slash podcast. If you're intrigued by this episode, please subscribe.